And then there were two, LA Galaxy, New England Revolution, the final two teams standing in Major League Soccer. They were square off for the MLS Cup on Sunday at the StubHub Center. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. With me is Ivis Galarsev. What's cracking, man? Nothing much, Garrett. It's uh, it feels like it's been a while since the last show, but uh, it's uh, it's been a crazy week, crazy weekend. Uh, the MLS playoffs uh, continued, and we had a couple of dramatic conference finals. Uh, there's a lot going on in MLS, MLS Cup this weekend, uh, coming up this weekend, and there's plenty to talk, touch on, and talk about relating, especially relating to MLS. Exactly right. You know, you have. You have the cup final on Sunday, you have Henri, we have the awards, so this is going to be a very MLS-heavy show. It's also going to be a very long show, so I'm sure you saw the time looking at this show. Uh, but Ivis, man, when are you heading out to LA? I mean, that, that's the most important thing going on. Oh, man. it's uh, You know what? I'm not even looking forward to it now that I know oh, you're Oh, my uh, gosh. For those who don't know, uh, Garrett will not be going, uh, but it's not related to his girlfriend's birthday. <laughs> yeah, he has... Uh, Apparently, allegedly, he's got some work work responsibilities he has to deal with, take care of. So, unfortunately, we will not be having the the reunion in LA. Uh, we'll have to save that. Maybe we'll have that at the uh, MLS draft in January. See if we can pull that off. But uh, but no, I, I get there on Thursday. The SBI team will be in full effect. Uh, we'll have uh, get, uh, Franco Panizo and Ryan Tomich uh, are making the trip out, and uh, actually, and we'll have our LA writer. Uh, Mark Hornish, Mark Edward Hornish, uh, will be on site as well. So we're going to have full wall-to-wall coverage. And also, Gold.com is going to have wall-to-wall coverage as well. You have me, uh, Seth Vertelny, Thomas Floyd, John Arnold. We have your boy, John Arnold. We're going to have the whole crew out there. So, you know, MLS Cup, everyone wants to be there. It was a little different this time around because uh, there was so little time between the conference finals and MLS Cup. So everybody was scrambling uh, everyone was scrambling to book flights, and uh, but it seems like uh, you know everyone's m- managed to go. Uh, I already had my flight, as you know. I, bu- I booked my LA flight. Yeah, I know. Uh, a while back, and uh, you know, no no offense to Seattle, I just I just thought I just really thought LA was going to win. That is, that's, that's uh, actually that's a pretty bad dig at Seattle, right there, Ivis. Well, look to be completely <laughs> honest, I had I had a backup plan. I had a uh, I had a flight to Seattle. Uh, that I had I had uh, locked up with Miles that just as kind of a backup. So I, I did have a parachute uh, in case. Uh, but yes, that obviously my my pick went, my pick worked out. Uh, I was able to cancel that 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 flight to Seattle, uh, and now we're off to LA, which I feel like it's like it's it's at least the sixth MLS Cup in LA uh, that I've been to, and, and it, it's always a good time in LA. Obviously, you got what's not to like about LA. Uh, there is a little bit of a disconnect because you have the 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 cup the the final itself is at StubHub, mm-hmm. which is south. Uh, it's like South Bay, and then you have a, a a lot of events and parties and festivities that are up in the up further north. When you talk in Hollywood or or downtown LA or or beyond that, so it's it's there's gonna be a lot of driving going on. Hopefully, a lot of Ubering going on, but uh, it, it should be a good time. It's definitely be a great game. I mean, you, you can't ask for uh, much better than than the hottest team in the league in New England, and then arguably the the, the most stacked team in the league in LA. So I, I'm fully expecting a great final. This is that's the biggest thing actually facing you guys is me not driving out to LA. Is you guys aren't going to have me with my awesome car out there. Oh my lord! What do you have a Prius? What no, no, you give me my car. It's that it's the, it's the Mazda, man. Now you guys are gonna have I, to Uber. I could have chauffeured you guys I, all day. 
I don't even remember the car. Dude. Why is that? that, I, that, 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 that <laughs> I don't. That, that's the impression that it made that I don't remember. This I know car. my my cars. It's actually I. I don't think it survived a trip to LA. LA anyways. <laughs> no, but I mean it's you know look we have to obviously talk about last week's uh, second leg conference final second leg both games great games um, a lot of drama several plenty of goals. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, New England and LA, they got the job done. It wasn't easy, but they both pulled it out. Yeah, when you, I mean, when you, when you look at the, let's start like let's, let's start on the West. Let, let's start with LA since the game will be in LA, and, and they go up to Seattle. They come away with the two-two draw, but yes, the the away goals kick in, so LA is able to advance. Uh, but I mean, you look at this match, I was, uh, you know, Seattle to come out really strong, had the two goals, and all of a sudden you're starting to think, man, can Seattle do this? But I mean, what a goal right there by Juninho. Uh, great strike by him, and uh, I mean, LA's in Ivis, and you just saw the experience that they had, able to buckle down, limit Seattle's chances. I think Seattle's first shot in the second half came near the 90th minute, so I mean, kudos to LA Ivis going up to Seattle and being able to stop that aggressive attack that, for Seattle Ivis, it, it's been kind of missing all, all playoff long. Well, you know, I said it going into that game, and I said it going into this series, the difference for me was going to be LA's defense and how they would hold up, although I will say, before the second leg kicked off, when you had uh, AJ De La Garza out and Leonardo in, I was definitely feeling a lot less comfortable about my pick of the LA Galaxy because, let's face it, Leonardo does not instill the most confidence. He's a bit of a shaky defender. Um, but although in this game, it was Omar Gonzalez who was shaky. Omar Gonzalez on both of Seattle's goals, uh, you could say he had some part to play. Uh, you know, he had some blame to take on that. Um, but I think in the end, their defense did what they had to do. I thought the mm-hmm. midfield. The play in midfield for LA w- w- was was superior, and and look, credit to Oswaldo Alonso for playing injured. Clearly, he was injured. He he was practically on one leg out there. He tried his hardest, and while he did give them something, he also turned the ball over quite a bit. Uh, uncharacteristic of him, a lot of unforced turnovers, a lot of bad turnovers um, on his part. But look, you know he's playing hurt. He's trying to gut it out and pull, you know, pull the Willis Reed and uh, and just kind of will his team to victory. It didn't work out, but look, credit to uh, to LA. Uh, I thought they did a good job of uh, overcoming that that's that fierce rally because you know Seattle puts up the two goals mm-hmm. and they're in control of the series at that point. And 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 you know, you, at that point, you're thinking, oh, this is this is it. Seattle's going to clear this hurdle finally. And then obviously, Juninho. With the low, with the low blast, uh, hits off the inside of the post. A perfect shot uh, to send them through. And uh, credit to them. And and now they go in as the favorite. And Seattle, I get it, folks. Yes, it's another disappointing end of the season. They still haven't won an MLS Cup. But I, I, for me, I just think it's kind of crazy that there's this talk about Siggy Schmidt and should they get rid of him. I just think, I mean, they 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 win the Supporters Shield. They win the Open Cup. Uh, and they want to, and you want to fire the guy? Like, I, I'm sorry, I don't get, I'm not on board with that. I just think that's kind of silly. Um, considering the season they had, you know, I think there's this, it's almost like this entitled, uh, attitude, uh, it, it, coming out of Seattle that they, that they, they would actually fire a guy who, because he didn't win MLS Cup, when yet he won two other big, big pieces of silverware. So I think people need to take it easy with that. You're not going to do much better than that. With another coach, so changing, making the change for change's sake, I think is a little crazy. I understood the talk last year because they didn't win anything last year, and on top of not winning anything, they were embarrassed by their arch rival Portland. So you could understand last year uh, the 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 angst 
and the and the anti Siggy Schmidt sentiment coming off of that season. Mm-hmm. But but this year, I'm sorry, I don't, I just don't, I just don't get it. No, it's ex- expectations are high in Seattle. I was, that, that's a good thing. That's a good thing to have expectations that high. Right, but that's at a certain point you have to be realistic, realistic yeah, of and, and, and be smart about things because just be, you know it's easy to say, oh well, he he can't get the job done. Let's go find someone else. And it's like, but look what he did do. I mean, he got he helped uh, revamp that team. They needed changes. They needed to make changes to the locker room. They made changes. Uh, they brought in Stephen uh, Stephen Fry. They got rid of Eddie Johnson. Uh, all the pieces, you know, Siggy Schmidt helped put them together and turn that team into a really, really good team. And at the end of the day, they're right there with the Galaxy. The Galaxy are a great team. You can't, like, I don't know. For me, they won the Supporter Shield. They won the Open Cup. How that, how you how you can look at that and say, oh, we need to make a change. I, I just, I'm sorry. I, I just totally disagree with that idea. Uh, well, okay, Br- bringing it back to the LA Galaxy. Um, and, and they're the team that, that's moving on here, Ivis. Uh, and what what really stood out to you for them over the series against against Seattle? Because the one thing that kind of kind of you know you notice when you look at the box score is you don't see Landon Donovan coming up on the score sheet. You don't see Robbie Keane popping up on 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 the score sheet. I mean, you have guys like Sarvis who's had an unbelievable series for the LA Galaxy. I mean, what's what's kind of the main thing that's kind of stood out for you and, and how they're kind of having all these different guys step up? Well, I mean, look, just because they didn't score doesn't mean they didn't have an impact, right? I mean, I think Keenan Donovan obviously put a lot of pressure on. Uh, and Zardis as well. You know, they're a handful. They they stretch the field. Uh, they keep Seattle's defense honest. And, and you know, Chad Marshall obviously had his hands full uh, in that series uh, trying to keep things together with, with uh, the foul machine Zach Scott playing next to him. Um, but, you know, for the second leg, I, I thought they, they weathered that. First of all, they started off well. And, and then there was that just 25 minutes where Seattle just took over and and really threatened to just overwhelm LA. LA took that punch and they and they settled down and they they I I think at the end of the day their midfield really won it for them. Uh with Juninho, with Sarvas, uh Ishizaki and Donovan. Donovan was pretty active in the game as well. So uh I think what that what stood out to me was how their midfield was able to kind of balance things and and it helped that Oswaldo Alonso was hurt. I think obviously that that yeah. was a factor a factor in it, but um you know what? Credit to them because I think that that really made the difference. And earlier, I, I incorrect incorrectly said that uh, that LA Galaxy and the Seattle Sounders played to a two-two draw. My apologies. Seattle did defeat LA. Got that confused with the match in the Eastern Conference. It was a two-two draw. New England Revolution and New York Red Bulls. New England advances on goals. Charlie Davies Ivis had a huge match. Uh, a brace in this one, and uh, New England really gave it to New York, took advantage of numerous mistakes New York made. And, uh, and look, there's a reason why New England is in, is in the MLS Cup final on Sunday. Well, look, to be, we have to point out, we have to give credit to the Red Bulls, right? Because going into this game, there wasn't, they weren't given much of a chance after losing at home 2-1. to one, But credit to them, they took, it to, they took it to New England. They took it to the Revs, uh, and, they, and they tied things up. And and I think most people had them going into New England and getting and getting beaten up, uh, especially without Bradley Wright Phillips. Uh, so then you have Thierry Henry, Thierry Henry put on the cape, start setting up, uh, you know, amazing passes and 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 kind of going out with a bang. Uh, and then you have Tim Cahill with the, with that opening goal. Um, but for them to come back to two to one, I, I have to give them a lot of credit. I didn't see that happening. I didn't see them uh, giving going at New England and really forcing the issue. But he did, 
And they forced the response out of New England because when it goes when they when they got it to two to one and the series is tied completely, all of a sudden the pressure's on the Revs. And the and we at that point uh were able to see just what they were made of. And you know what? They responded like a championship team responds. And yeah, Charlie Davy is scoring his second goal, uh, continuing his great playoff run. Uh, and, and gave them absolutely what they needed between him scoring the two goals, Chris Tierney setting up both goals, mm-hmm. and Jay Heaps looking like a bit of a genius yeah. uh, for putting Chris Tierney in the left wing role instead of his normal left back position. So from that standpoint, you know it, it, everything came up perfectly for New England. Uh, they keep it rolling, and now they're on to the final. Yeah, I mean just. Everything kind of just seemed to work out for New England throughout the playoffs so far. And Jay Heaps, I mean, he, every decision that he makes seemed to be, it, it's just, it's turning into gold for them. I mean, Chris Tierney up top, Ivis, I mean, he created so many different matchup problems for New York, had both assists, and uh, I mean, dude, he just looked so deadly with every ball he was putting into the box. Look, there's, there's no secret. Anyone who follows MLS knows Tierney has a good left foot, right? He can he can provide good sir, good quality service. He's a bit of an incomplete player at either position. Is he a pure winger? Not really. Is a pure left back? Not really. But he's his 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 service, his ability on set pieces and with service just makes him such an effective and dangerous player when he's especially when he's on. Um, and he he was on man he was on against against the Red Bulls especially and they needed that they needed that because the Red Bulls took it to them uh, and really made it a game and at, at a certain at certain points the Red Bulls looked like they were going to take it over it yeah. looks like it looked like they were going to win that game and you know something that kind of gets overlooked a bit is the fact that if you remember the the second leg against Columbus uh, was a similar situation where they didn't play that great. Uh, in the beginning, in the first half, and, but then obviously they turned it on. They were over. Uh, they overwhelmed the crew. Uh, so there's a little vulnerability there. But I think they showed once again uh, championship quality. The, that championship resolve to to shake off that punch, to shake off the 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 equalizer, the series equalizer, uh, and then and then to get right back in it, score, mm-hmm. make the lead, hold up. Bobby Shuttlesworth was great. He had himself uh, another good game. He's been quality. He's been really good in the playoffs. I know there's a lot of talk about Bobby Shuttleworth as far as for the regular season and being a best 11 candidate. I honestly don't see – I didn't see him – I didn't consider him to be on that level for the regular season. But for the playoffs, the guy's been uh, on another level. So, you know, credit to him. Credit to their defense. You can talk about a guy like Andrew Farrell who held up pretty well and contained Thierry Henry as much as he could – him and Teal Bunbury, but uh, it was really a team effort, and now they're off to to L.A. to see if they can beat the Galaxy. And, and going back to what you said earlier, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, New York did have their moments in this game. Lloyd Sam looked dangerous, and then when Tim Cahill scored that goal, I just had that, oh, gosh, here, here's that moment where, you know, you can see everyone blowing it up. You know, Cahill coming back as the hero. He didn't get the hat trick, but and almost had that moment in there for a second, Ivis. Well, look, he could have had his moment, yeah. and he blew his moment because – he had a clear look in front of goal in the second half on a beautiful Thierry Henry pass. Uh, he had an opportunity for a volley, wide open volley in front of goal, the kind of shot Cahill can and has made in his career, and he missed it. He didn't hit it well. And you know what? If he couldn't, if he scores that chance, that is a dagger for New England because all of a sudden the Red Bulls have the away goal, you know, they have the away goal's edge, and New England has to score twice. But he, he misses the chance. And, you know, they, they never got another chance like that after that. So uh, as much as, yes, Cahill came off the bench, scored, you know, he he pl- came in for Bradley Wright Phillips, uh, scored that early goal. He did that. He did that part. 
But now, if you're the you know designated player, $3 million, uh, one of the highest played players in the league, high-profile star player, you have got to score on the quality chances in the big time. And guess what? He didn't get it done. He didn't get it done in the second half of that game. That chance, he's got to finish it. He didn't finish it, and it cost the Red Bulls. And you know what? It's going to be interesting to see if he's back because, now, as we know, Thierry Henry will not be back. And and that's the thing that, that I think hurt New York throughout the whole series, Ivis, was just mental mistakes or mistakes at the inappropriate times where New England was capitalizing on, on those. But, I mean, as you mentioned, Thierry Henry leaving New York Red Bulls, that's going to create a huge void for them going forward. We were talking about all year long about what he's done for players around him. Examples, Bradley Wright Phillips. Um, I mean, you wrote a bit, little bit about it on Goal.com, but, I mean, look, we're replacing a, a player of Henry's magnitude and what he's done for the club. Uh, and, you know, you want to take a step back for a second and just appreciate, you know, kind of these last few games of being able to watch him play because, I mean, we, you know, we, you know, you don't know when the next time you're going to see a player like him in, in Major League Soccer. Right. Well, that's what I find interesting is the, the various uh, reactions to him leaving um, because, obviously, you have quite a few people who, who thought he was amazing. And thought he was he was a great uh, addition to the league, and he he made a really good impact. And then you have other people who who weren't as impressed, and who thought you know maybe he didn't live up to expectations. I'm in the camp that thinks it's ludicrous to say he didn't he didn't make an he didn't make uh, the impact expected when he came here. Anyone who thought he would just walk in and 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 win multiple MLS cups, that's just not realistic. Because mm-hmm. you know what, you need a good really good team built around you. To win a title, and you can't win it single-handedly. Yes, David Beckham won a title, but he won a title with the help of Bruce Arena building a quality team around him. He won a title with with Robbie Keane and Landon Donovan and Omar Gonzalez, a uh, star-studded cast around him. So, it, you know what? Just because he didn't win an MLS Cup, uh, that's not the way you really want to judge Henri's time here because he made an impact on the field and off the field. He he was an outstanding player. Um, you know, he elevated the the the, the quality of his team, Defin- and definitely, it, and his teammates. And for me, what what really stands out is how seriously he took being an MLS player. And when I say that, I mean not just in the way he approached every game and 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 just his trademark competitiveness and the fire that he showed, and obviously the skill, the unbelievable skill. But he bought into MLS completely. He knew this league like no pl- no player that I've ever seen in the league, and I'm talking. I'm not even talking about just international superstar players, designated player types. I'm talking even counting domestic players. I can't think of many who are as much a student of the league as Thierry Henry. I mean, here's a guy who knew every starter on every team. He he knew who the best young players were in the league. He could tell you er- everything about the styles of play of all the different teams in the league. He he, he was a student of the league. And, it, I mean, for a guy with his resume, with, with the World Cup and the Champions League, uh, Premier League, La Liga title, he's guys European championship. The guy's won it all. Um, and we've seen star players come to MLS and not buy in and kind of be here kind of half into it and not but not completely into it. But he was completely into it, and that he respected the league, and it showed, and that respect showed to everybody that w- it was involved at the league, mm-hmm. especially the players. Because look, it's one thing that yes, he he's a legendary player, but you know what? If he didn't take the league seriously, I don't think he'd have nearly as much respect around the league from players as he had. And and for me, the 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 image at the end of that New England game on Sunday, on Saturday, 
of of the New England players. They had just won to book their place in MLS Cup. And instead of going running around celebrating like maniacs, you had a handful of the player of their top players going to Henri to shake his hand because they knew that was his last game in MLS. And it was an impressive sight. I mean, Charlie Davies, Jose Gonzalez, Andrew Farrell, Teal Bunbury. I mean, the the respect that they showed for me showed just what he meant to the league as much as maybe some people don't realize it. He meant quite a bit. Going forward, though, for New York, this creates a big, big hole for them. Do they go out and try to replace Henri? That may be difficult, but kind of looking at this team, I was in, and removing him from the team, you could almost say that you know Henri masked a few problems that they have. I mean, what does New York do here? I mean, do they do they shake up the roster? Do they go out and add pieces because they're going to need some pieces in the offseason? or do they try to replace Henri with someone on on his level? Well, my pecky alluded to to uh, changes that are becoming. And maybe philosophical changes, uh, changes to their approach, uh, the the way they build their team, and I think the writing's on the wall there. I honestly, I don't think they're gonna do approach it the way they have in the past, which is you know obviously sign big name players and try to build around those big name, big money p- players. I think they're gonna change things up uh, based on things based on what Mike Pecky said. Uh, we have a story on SBI in the works that should drop tomorrow from Franco Panizo, uh, going into a bit more detail on what the plan is for the future. Uh, you know, we've got we've got some sources uh, that have kind of have given us a bit of insight on that. So look out for that. Uh, hopefully, it drops on Wednesday. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think basically Peck, my Pecky kind of uh, let the cat out of the bag a little bit. Uh, in the sense you get is that there will be a change in philosophy. They're going to try to emphasize the American player. They're going to try to do a better job of scouting young talent to build a roster in the in the and approach it the way that a Sporting Kansas City has been able to do it, or the LA Galaxy have been able to do it, building through the draft. And obviously, look, the Galaxy went and got David Beckham. They went and got Robbie Keane. They've they've obviously spent money, um, but you know they've also been smart about signings that they've made. So I think that's what the Red Bulls want to do. They want to not only be able to go into the draft and grab quality talent that's in there, and there's still talent available through the draft, but there's the draft, there's the homegrown system, the homegrown setup. The the Red Bulls have one of the more successful academies in in the uh, development academy system, yet they haven't necessarily produced a ton of homegrown talent. That's something they're going to look to change. So I think the focus is going to maybe go away from the marquee type player, the Henri, uh, you know, the Tim Cahill type players, and maybe more emphasis now on American players, young American players, and young international talent that they can groom uh, and have blossom like guys, other guys in MLS, like Diego Valeri or Javier Morales, who weren't that well known before they came to MLS, but once they came here, they became stars. Well, when you talk about the the American soccer player, I mean, one guy that has really stepped up throughout the playoffs is Charlie Davies, Ivis. Uh, I mean, it comes as no surprise. He's, he's had a great year for the New England Revolution, and with a brace in this match against the New York Red Bulls, uh, I mean, look, Davies is, is having quite the... I mean, the last few months for Davies have, have been outstanding for him, and it's great to see where he was to where he became and, and now where he's at now. I mean, it's great to see this huge turnaround for him, and it's great to see success on the field. Uh, absolutely. Uh, just... I mean, when you think about where he was a year ago, uh, when he came over, uh, joined New England on loan, and then he wasn't playing for New England. And at that point, uh, there were some real questions about just what his situation was. And I can remember 
uh, I actually went out to dinner with uh, Andrew Farrell. He was in town, the New England defender. Uh, and I remember asking him about Charlie. And I'm, I mean, I know Charlie really well. Uh, I've, I've known Charlie since, you know, b- before the accident. And, and obviously I wrote a story on his recovery from that accident way back when. And I remember asking, why, what's up with Charlie? Why is he not playing? And, and at the time, you know, uh, Farrell pointed out, like, he's looking really good in practice. Um, and he didn't understand, he didn't know why he was playing. And Jay Heaps, uh, I talked to Jay Heaps after the game on Sun- on Saturday, and he kind of a- alluded to uh, what what was going on exactly at that time. And, and what Jay Heaps pointed out was that for him, he wanted Davies to get settled in with the club, and that they always intended to keep Davies around beyond last year, and that they were always going to uh, you know keep him on. Uh, bring him in and back in 2014 and have 2014 be the year that he really hit the ground running. Now, what threw a wrench into those plans was the fact that Charlie Davies got hurt early in the preseason and pretty much battled injuries throughout the beginning and middle of the season. Uh, and then he finally got healthy. And once he got healthy, it also coincided with New England really struggling. I think they had like a nine-match nine losing streak. It's easy to forget uh, how rough things got for them in the summer. But he got healthy. Got back in the lineup, and since he's gotten back in the lineup, uh, he's really been tearing it up. And and you see all the you see the qualities uh, that we remember from him before the tragic car accident that he was involved in. I mean, we're seeing the speed, we're seeing the strength, uh, the 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 his timing on his runs, uh, just the, the the multifaceted threat that he is. Is he gonna be? Is he gonna ever be the player that he was? Probably not. But he is actually he is really now looking like a, like an impact, like a true impact player. And yes, I know when he was with DC United, he scored what, whatever, 10, 11 goals. But even then, I, I don't think he showed that back then. I don't think he showed the level of, of quality that he's showing now. And it's great to see. It's great to see him uh, recovering uh, and being that much, that much closer to being 100 percent, because, I mean, we're talking about one of the nicest guys in the business, one of the nicest guys in American soccer and a guy that's easy to root for. And you see it and you can get that sense in the New England locker room, what he means to those guys. And and the fact that he's the one scoring these goals is just adding to it. It's just adding to that kind of feeling and that positive feeling in the locker room because they're all rooting for him. They all they all know what he's been through. They all know how hard he's fought to get back, and and now it's paying off for him. Well, Charlie Davies right now tied for the league in, in playoff goals with four. The other guy, Bradley Wright Phillips. New England Revolution, they're going to hope, Ivis, that, that, that Charlie Davies can be able to keep his form because when you look at their opponent, LA Galaxy, Galaxy have given up two goals now through four matches in the playoffs. Their defense is playing lights out. The midfield looks outstanding. And then New England, on the other hand, scoring a ton of goals in the playoffs. This is going to be a great matchup, Ivis, between a really solid offense that's performing at a very high level right now versus a very, very talented L.A. defense that is limiting opponent chances to a bare minimum. I mean, this, this is going to be a great matchup on sun, on Sunday. Right. I mean, I think the battle in midfield is going to be key. Obviously, when you're, you're looking at New England, you know, they play a 4-5-1. Uh, they're going to have that extra man in midfield, so you're going to want to be uh, – it's going to be interesting to see how L.A. copes with that and, and how they try out – how they plan to attack New England and attack that system. Um, and I think if you're New England, you want to try to dominate the midfield. You want – uh, Jermaine Jones to, to really kind of impose himself. You want mm-hmm. Lee Wynn to, to go at LA's defense. You want Scotty Caldwell uh, really buzzing around and, and, and keeping an eye on Robbie Keane. Uh, so it, it's a great matchup. It's going to be a great tactical battle. And I think Bruce Arena is a guy who's he's been he's been to, uh, I, the, how many MLS cups is this for him now? I mean, is it like six, five, six? I mean, he's been he's been in enough even, of these. I don't even think I was born. 
at the first MLS Cup he was at yet. Come on, man. You're not that young. <laughs> <laughs> you wish you were that young. But, yeah, I mean, I think he's got, what, 96, 97, um, and then 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 at least then, then 09. Uh, and then the two that they won with uh, so this this I think this is his sixth MLS Cup, pretty good, uh, pretty impressive. It's his sixth MLS Cup, and Jay Heaps obviously it's his first. So uh, it, that that chess match is going to be very interesting to see. Uh, and look, hey, Jay Heaps. Oh, to be fair, he also has Jay Heaps has Tom Son on his staff, uh, the, the assistant coach Tom Son, the former uh, you know MLS head coach and assistant on the DC United team and that won it all in 2004. He was Peter Nowak's assistant. So there's some experience there. Um, so it's going to be a great chess match. Uh, it, it's obviously the players are, are the guys that are going to have the spotlight, but the, the coaches are going to have a lot to say about who wins this game. Um, too early for a prediction. I was too early. Nah, yeah. I mean, I, well, look, I picked LA. Uh, I think I picked them before the season. I picked them before the playoffs. Uh, I got to stick with them, but I tell you what, at New England, they absolutely have a chance. They absolutely have a chance, um, but yeah, no, I got to go with L.A. at home. Yeah. Uh, you got to go with L.A. I'm going to go with L.A. too in this one. I, I just think that at a lot of various positions, they're just a hair better than New England, who, who is a great team, but I, I think also then experience for L.A., I, that, that you know, you had to give them a little bit of that because... I mean, you have guys that I've that have been here, done it before, numerous, numerous occasions. Well, listen, if if AJ Delagars is healthy, then I really like LA's chances. Now, if LA, if AJ Delagars can't go, and you have to have Leonardo start, then it's a lot for me, a lot closer to a coin toss. It's a lot closer to being really either either team's game because Leonardo, when you, when you get Leonardo and Omar Gonzalez together, then pace can re can be a real issue for them. Uh, I think AJ Delagarza is really good at organizing, and he's, he's quick. He, he reads things well, and he keeps Omar Gonzalez out of trouble. When you have Leonardo in there, you have two guys who are similarly uh, vulnerable to pace, similarly vulnerable to losing sight of marks. Uh, and you I think saw, we saw that. We saw that against Seattle went on right. uh, uh, Brad Evans' goal. I couldn't we think about it, that for a second. <laughs> we saw it a few. We saw it a few times. So I, I think, look, if you're if you're if you're Bruce Arena, you're doing the the uh, you know you're, you're doing the Karate Kid, uh, Mr. Miyagi, uh, uh, getting the hands together, warming the hands up, and and healing AJ Delagarza because you want AJ Delagarza in your starting lineup because if you have him in there, you got to really like your chances of winning this game. And Ivis and I will break down the MLS Cup on Sunday later this week. Now, Garrett, I yeah. hope that Karate Kid reference wasn't too old for you. No, it's, I've seen it before. Have you? Yeah, I'm talking about the the original, the yes, Ralph Macchio. Yes, not not okay. yeah, not that new one with Will Smith's kid, right? You know, you saw it. You probably I didn't had it see on, it. No, I didn't see. Probably it. Probably had it on Blu-ray. You no, probably no, had no. James Smith. <laughs> Did you see it? Uh, I yeah. Well, come on. I have you have, have two kids? Of course. I, see, I, not, I mean, I'm, I didn't really watch it, but uh, yeah. I mean, I'm aware of it. I'm not a fan of remakes, man. I hate remakes. I I, yeah, I refuse. Generally, to watch yeah. Them. Generally speaking, remakes are pretty terrible. The karate. I'm sorry. Karate Kid is just timeless movie, man. It's, it's, it's one of those saying. movies. It's one of those movies that if it's on, I'll watch it. Even now. I mean, I've seen. You know, if I had like a top twenty. Uh, list of, of of movies that I've seen the most in my life. I mean, I think Karate Kid would probably would crack the top twenty uh, of movies that I've just seen more more times than most. And and it's just a classic. And, and look, it, it's it's a little dated now. 
you know, if you're if you're young what now happens? and you watch that you, you watch that movie, you're gonna be like, mm, this is well, that, that you can watch the remake then. <laughs> yeah, but the remake is so cheesy. But it is it is what it is. But no, but yeah, hey, Karate Kid, classic movie. Karate. How many years older is Karate Kid than me, Ivis? Uh, I think it. I think Karate Kid turned thirty this year. So there you go. Yeah, eighty four is like three years old. It came out in eighty four. So there it is. See? There you go. Yeah, so I, I didn't grow up with the whole like you know karate kid thing, but I saw it as, as you know, as yeah, a, you know, right. after, you saw it after, after yeah. <laughs> you saw it on like the classic uh, TV. No, I, I think they have it on AMC. I think I saw it on AMC. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was. Te- I think I was ten when that came out, and it was it was it was just uh, it was just perfect. It was just a perfect movie at the time for a kid. Yeah, no, it's a it's a good movie. Uh, all right, moving on because you and I could t- this. The, here's what's gonna happen: you and I are gonna talk movies for the next thirty minutes, so we need to move on, Ivis. Yes. Uh, MVP Major League Soccer's announcement will come out on Wednesday. You have a few worthy candidates: Robbie Keane, Lee Wynn, Obafemi Martins. You could also throw Bradley Wright Phillips in there. Uh, where do you think the league's gonna go on Wednesday, Ivis? With the announcement. Well, I'll tell you. Well, all signs. Here's one thing: before I say, MLS has never been subtle about uh, not really hiding who's going to win MVP. I feel like every year it, it, it pretty much leaks. Uh, it pretty much becomes obvious in the days leading up to it who's winning the award, and, and the same has happened this time. Robbie Keane's going to win this award. Uh, they're announcing it on, on uh, Wednesday afternoon in L.A., uh, and, and the announcement is it comes actually well before uh, New England gets there. Uh, and, and actually there's there have also been fo- – uh, Image, there's also been sightings of uh, of advertising uh, with around LA uh, promoting the fact that Robbie Keane's going to be the MVP. So it, at this point, it's pretty clear that he's going to he's won the award. He's going to win the award. No surprise there. Number one, he's had a great season, and he is he's a deserving choice, right? I mean, you can't really. It's tough to really knock it. Number two, he's Robbie Keane. He's a star. He plays in LA. Uh, he's a real high profile player. Um, and, and that's going to give him an edge when you think over a guy like Lee Wynn, who, for my money, if you want to talk about a uh, most valuable player, uh, he's my pick. And actually, I wrote a I wrote a piece for for Goal.com that that will be out by the time you're listening to this show. And uh, I pretty much make the point that Robbie Keane, if you want to talk about who's the best player in the league in twenty in 2014, you can definitely say Robbie Keane was the best player in the league. But if you want to talk about valuable and that's where, you know, it's a little subjective, but in terms of being the most valuable player, Lee Wynn uh, on New England, he meant so much to New England, uh, you know, led fourth in the league in goals as a midfielder. Uh, the, the stat that really is crazy to me is he scored as many goals as the next four uh, highest goal scorers on the Revs. The next four. Uh, nine game-winning goals, which is more than the entire rest of the team combined. Uh, he just meant so much. So for me, you know what? He should have won it. But I, you know what? I never thought he was realistically going to win it. It was it was always going to be Robbie Keane, especially when, uh, when you know, the way it's broken down, media vote, players vote, uh, front office people vote. And usually the players in the front office people vote early. It's not like they're voting at the very end of the season. They're voting, you know, in the summer – uh, before the fall, uh, there's still games to play. And uh, for those who remember, Lee Wynn absolutely lit it up the last 11 games of the season. He scored in eight of the last 11 games of the season. He was on fire. 
And I think, you know what, that came a bit too late for him. And that's why, and ultimately that probably hurt his chances of winning this award. And some good news came out of the nation's capital on Tuesday. DC United cleared a major hurdle in their attempts to land a stadium. There's one more vote to go, Ivis. That's going to be in a few weeks, I believe. Uh, but look, for DC, Ivis, it, it didn't seem like all the all the cards were lined up for them. But uh, you know, it just it, this project keeps moving along. I mean, it looks like it's going to become a reality. The long headache. It's it's very confusing, Ivis, with all the political dealings and all that. But DC United Stadium's proposal taking a major step on Tuesday, which is great news for all DC United fans. Absolutely, and you know the thing is the thing about this whole situation is there have been so many false alarms. Yeah, that that at this point, I don't. I'm sure a lot of people are kind of like. Uh, hesitant to get too excited about what's going on. Now there was obviously a vote today on Tuesday uh, that went in their favor. See, I, I believe it was the city council, whether it was a committee. Uh, but there's one more vote to go, and I believe if that vote goes their way, which is going to be later this month, if they get that vote, if that vote goes their way, then the stadium project's going to happen. And it's it, it, it's just, I mean, I I don't care who you are, I don't care where you're from. You want to see the stadium happen, right? I mean, if I don't care, you know. Now, obviously, DC fans want it to happen, but if and if you're a fan of MLS, you want this to happen because you want to have uh, another strong market. And DC, I'm telling you, folks, the DC in terms of soccer cities in this country, in terms of uh, cities that are just hotbeds for the sport, DC is a hotbed for the sport. And once there's a, a, a soccer stadium in place. It's gonna, it's gonna, t- it's gonna take off. It's gonna. I, I mean, obviously, DC is already a, a, a storied franchise, a storied club with multiple championships and a good, you know, good supporters base. But I'm telling you, if they get that project done, it's just gonna take things to a new level. It's gonna make, it's gonna be a huge boost for the league. So, uh, I don't care if you're a Union fan or a Red Bulls fan or a New England Revolution fan or Chicago Fire fan. You should want this to happen. And yes, I get it. There's some people like, oh, no, I don't care. I want them to fail and crash and burn, blah, blah, blah. Well, I think, Whatever. If, you're from, I think if you're from Baltimore, you want this project to fail so you can get the team well, right, Yeah, right, right. But look, save all the crap. It's better for the league to have a healthy D.C., uh, a stadium in D.C. And, and I'm sure, look, if, and for any away fans who ever go to RFK, uh, I, I'm pretty sure they want to stop having to go there because at, at a certain point you don't want to uh, have to risk cement pieces of cement falling on your head or rats biting you. And look, I, you know, for me, a long a long time Redskins fan, RFK Stadium was a shrine. Well, for me, when I when I first first started covering the league, my first road game back in 1999 was to RFK Stadium, and I was like, oh, I was like, I, I, I was like a kid in a candy store. I was in complete awe of RFK Stadium. But you know what? 15 years later, it is a dump, and they need to stop playing there. The sooner the better. And, you know, obviously they're still going to have to play there even if this gets approved because the stadium I don't think will be ready until 2017. But, look, they, they, it, this needs to happen. This really needs to happen uh, so you can have one more really strong team, really strong, uh, uh, you know, organization in the league, all those cookie cutter stadiums, you know, there's like 20 of them that were built like that for you know for baseball, football. They are the ugliest stadiums ever. They're just so gross. I don't. Why is it a why? RF, why do you call RFK a cookie cutter stadium? No, no, no. Because all the stadiums. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Because all the other stadiums look the same. There's like 10 or 15 of them that were built in that era. I think like Pittsburgh had one. Since there was one built in Cincinnati, they all look the same. But like they all got like you know versus like the classic stadiums. 
Point I'm saying. Point I'm saying. Stadium's ugly. I guess I'm agreeing with you, and I'm trying to be <laughs> over smart. Trying guys. to be a stadium historian. Yeah, over I, here? I guess that's what I'm trying to do here. You're like, yeah, you weren't even around when these stadiums were built. Don't 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 try to drop that on me. Yeah, but I used to be a big baseball fan, so for me, like, I cared about stadiums. So, but soccer plays baseball. I'm sure, like many people who listen to this show, or football. Arcade. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Moving on, Ivis. Uh, Don Garber did his state of the league address. On Tuesday, around him were some journalists who asked him some hard-hitting questions. He covered a lot of various topics, lots of things. You can read the transcript if you want. Uh, Ivis and I are going to quickly talk about some of the major ones. Playoff format, the reports came out, Ivis, that it looked like Major League Soccer was going to go to 12 teams. Garber all but confirmed that, that Major League Soccer next year, 12 teams versus 10, will make the playoffs. Do you like the move? Well, look, first to clarify, he... Uh... <laughs> He didn't confirm the move. He actually said that the no decision has been made yet. Yeah, well, well I didn't, but, but, said he all but confirmed. Well, he didn't, but he didn't confirm. Okay, go go ahead. <laughs> yeah, all right, go ahead. All right. Go ahead. Well, 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 it's funny because uh, on one hand, he 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 made it clear that no decision has been made yet, right? That he was he made it a point to to, to point out that no decision has been made yet, and then he proceeded to talk up the option that was reported. So that tells you yeah. that that's the option on the table. So it, it, it was it was a little funny uh, to see that kind of uh, juxtaposition. And look, credit to Brian Strauss for Sports Illustrated. He uh, he broke that story on, on the playoff format. And, I, you know, I, I, I don't know. Like, I'm kind of torn on this. Um, well, on one hand, I get the idea, right? It, with the new format, six teams in each conference – the number one and the number two seeds have buys, and you make teams three, four, five, and six play each other. Um, and so there's a positive and a negative for that. The positive is all of a sudden you're going to have the top four teams in oh, the top two teams in each conference uh, get an added benefit for finishing that high because they don't have to play that extra game. Uh, however, you're also adding a sixth team in each conference. Which means you're talking 12 playoff teams out of 20. Which means you're ha- you're going to have teams with probably losing records getting into the playoffs. And is that good? I don't know if that's a good thing. Honestly, I really don't. Um, I don't so know. I-, I wanted Philadelphia and Portland to both make the playoffs this past year. Yeah, but you know what? At a certain point, <laughs> I- I'm, at jo- a certain- I'm joking. I- I'm being facetious. No, but- I'm sure. No, I'm sure you did. And no, you know stop what? It. It's- it's it's fine. Like I don't know. I mean, it's fine if you just want to have a tournament and have craziness and you want to have all these teams in it. But at a certain point, you want the regular season to matter. And right now, exactly with the format, it did, the regular season really didn't mean all that much. I mean, uh, you know, who who are the top seeds in the uh, in the playoffs? Uh, DC United and Seattle. And guess who's home now? Right. So it didn't. The the top seed didn't help either of those teams. So, uh, you know, I, I can understand MLS trying to make it that much easier for the top seeds and kind of reward the teams who have the success in the regular season. But I don't know. Is extending it to 12 really the answer? I, I'm not sold on that. Yeah, I'm in the same boat you are. It just... It just it just takes it it takes away from, from the regular season, like you said. It's 12 teams making it, plus with the buys. It's, it, that, to me, that, that that's too much. Uh, Garber also touched... A little bit on the expansion talk. Uh, he talked a little bit about Miami. Didn't go into details. Um, and then Rob Stone asked a question like, well, why does New York work out? I 
this, this interesting moment. Uh, but Garber touched a little bit on the expansion talk. I was going over to the main hits that, that Garber went into about that. Well, I mean, he, he there wasn't much to say. Um, I mean, he t- the things that he said were pretty much known already, that the league's waiting on Miami. They want Miami to happen. But if they can't work out the stadium situation in Miami and they can't get the stadium project that they want in Miami, they're going to move on to other options. And there are other options. You have you have Minneapolis, Minnesota. You've got San Antonio. You've got Sacramento. You even have Las Vegas in the conversation. So there are options for those last two slots. Um, he did point out that, you know, according to the timetable, the league will have 24 teams uh, before the end of the decade, uh, before the end of the decade. So we're at 2014 right now. So within the next five years, you're going to see 24 teams. We already know Atlanta. We already know that Atlanta is, is on its way. Uh, and the second LA teams on its way, which mm-hmm. will bring us, bring us to 22. Then you have two more slots and Miami is kind of, you know, the league wants Miami. There's no, obviously everybody knows that the league wants Miami in the league. Uh, they're going to wait on that. And if Miami gets to if Miami gets the stadium project MLS wants, all of a sudden you have one slot left, and you have three teams going for that one slot, and that's going to be a big, big battle. Because for me, uh, you have Minnesota, which is a great option, and they have two ownership groups fighting for for MLS. Uh, San Antonio is a good option, and Sacramento has mm-hmm. has really come on strong. So MLS is in pretty good shape right now. They don't have to wait for uh, Miami if things get ugly with the Miami project. They'll just back away. They'll just say, you know what, Miami, you, you're missing the cut this time around. We tried, but it, we couldn't make it work. And you know what? If that happens, that's fine. Because for me, I think any of the others, I think I think for me, in order, I'd probably go Minnesota, Sacramento, San Antonio. Um, but any of those three or any two of those three would be a great exactly. uh, expansion class. So I think MLS is in pretty good shape right now. Yeah, all, all three cities would be outstanding. Garber touched on the collective bargaining agreement that will be happening after the season ends between the players and uh, and, and, and the league, uh, Garber said that he hopes that there'll be that that he sees that he that he you know that he, he doesn't expect there to be a work stoppage. But I mean, I was, there's a lot of things that the players in the league are, are going to have to talk about. It's, it's not as simple as them coming together and shaking hands. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that are going to be on the table for this new CBA. Yeah, it's not. Look, it's not as much as he wanted to paint a picture of of. Things being in, in, in positive now and things going well, I can't imagine things are going that well because you know they really haven't rolled their sleeves up yet. I really think the players are gonna they're gonna want certain concessions. They're gonna want increased salary caps. Uh, they're gonna want more money for the players. They're gonna want to try to get closer to free agency. Um, uh, and they're uh, you know for me, I think the, I don't think the players did that great a job the last go around of getting things that that really could help. Uh, I think I think the league made out like bandits the last time around. And what's interesting, and I, I'm sure a lot of people had the same observation, it's like on one hand you have Garber talking up the success of the league and everything that's happening with the league. You're talking new TV deals, expansion teams coming in. You know, eight, not what is it? Nine figure expand, hundred million dollar expansion fees, mm-hmm. and then and then uh, uh, you know, in the same breath, he's telling us that you know the the league has made it clear. To the players that the league isn't financially where they want it to be. And it's basically like code speak for we don't have the money to give you that much. And it's like, really? But where's the where's the check that NYCFC's owners signed? Where's the Orlando City expansion check? 
Where's the TV deal money? Where's the Heineken sponsorship money? Where's all this money? It's going, it's, this it's going to the sweet parties that we went to at the uh, All-Star game. All right, we don't need to get into that. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, it's a, and I'm sure people are looking at that and say, well, what is going on? They're making a ton of money. Why are they not investing into the rosters, into, you know, increasing the cap and, du- you know, doubling the cap at least or getting it to $5 million? I, I've said it for some time now that I'd like to see the cap at least get to $5 million in this in this go-around. Uh, but, again, look, it, it should be pointed out that the, the league's owners – uh, have lost a lot of money uh, through the years in and keep it and get kicking the getting the league off the ground and keeping the league float. There've been a lot of lean years, a lot of rough years. So you know what? If the league is paying back that money in this process, then you you can't really knock that. But at the same token, uh, if you want to keep talking about making the league a, a, a league that's comparable with the best teams in the world and the best teams in Europe, you gotta spend more money. And when you aren't even spending enough money to contend with Mexican teams, then how realistic is it to say that you want to be one of the top teams, top teams in the league, one of the top, uh, top teams in the top leagues in the world? You're not in. You know what? MLS isn't in the conversation, folks. Uh, uh, not to burst any bubbles and not to you know be uh, anti MLS. It's just reality, folks. MLS is not is not on that level it's not a top five league it's not even a top 10 it's not even a top 10 league it's not a top 10 league folks i know some people will say oh that's crazy it's absolutely a top 10 league no it's not and we can argue it all you want but it's not a top <laughs> anyone 10 who league. thinks the top 10 league is <laughs> it's, it's a reality crazy. check i mean I, I you know i not to pick on him but look deandre yellen i remember being in uh i think when we were in london and uh and you know he was asked about the whole mls versus europe thing and you know he you know, he pointed. You know, he was like, "Well, you know, if a player's ready, then they should make the move." And 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 he just kind of, in passing, made some mention that you know, uh, MLS is more in the level of a top five, top six league. And I'm just thinking to myself, guy, you need to like pay a little more attention to the leagues in this in the world because. This wait, wait, wait. MLS- Do you think he was just talking up MLS though? You know. No, I just think he's a little naive about the world soccer, really? and that and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I I, I doubt he's a guy who's look. Players aren't necess- not all players are necessarily following. Uh, international soccer that closely. I mean, I know there's some players that obviously do. Some players who, who you know cut, watch the Premier League, watch La Liga, and all this and that. But not not all players are like that. Not all players uh, live the sport day in and day out. Watch games every day. Uh, I, I used to, you know, I remember uh, Juan Carlos Osorio, the, the the former MLS coach, who's now like the king of Colombia, uh, crushing it with Atlético Nacional. You know, I used to talk to him all the time, and and he made the observation that it was interesting to him that you know you'd have situations where there'd be international friendlies uh, in the area that that players that you know red like say the Red Bulls Red Bulls players wouldn't be going to these games, and it's like if this is your job, if this is the sport you play, then you should be trying to be exposed to it at the highest levels every chance you get. And you know what? Not all players are like that. But getting back to the point, MLS is not even close. To be in a top five league right now, yeah, it really isn't a top ten league right now. Uh, but to get there, they need to spend more money. They need this. They need to spend more money. This whole, uh, you know, not the new, the new thing now, the new buzzword, the new kind of thing to show people that they're trying is we're spending so much money on player development. We're spending millions and millions. We, Garber pointed it out today that the league's spending more on player development than they actually spent on salaries when the league started. That's all well and good, but you know what? 
you need to be able to go on the international market and attract quality signings. And in order to do that, you need to spend the money. You can't be you can't be bargain hunting all the time on the international market because you're not always going to find those diamonds in the rough. You need the money to compete. And until MLS does that, until the MLS, you know, if MLS does not increase the cap by five to five, you know, up to five million or six million, uh, if it's like a modest change, if they only make it like three, you know. If it's like pretty much the same, or if it's only like four million, like it's just not going to get it done. It's not. They're not going to close the gap that way. They're just not. Uh, and you know, it's it's unfortunate because when you look at it, it seems like the money's there for them to step it up. But you know what? For whatever reason, it's not happening. Well, when you talk about spending that money and in, in, in keeping players and, and continuing to progress to be one of the better leagues, I mean, one, one of those steps is keeping the services of Eric Torres, who had a wonderful season for Chivas USA. Garber was asked that question, and Garber said that that you know Major League Soccer is, is haven't been able to make that decision yet on Eric Torres. I mean, I was, this is a guy that Major League Soccer needs to keep. I mean, they need him next year. Yeah, I don't. I I, I, I kind of scratched my head with that whole thing because I cannot imagine that MLS that MLS is is still thinking. About what to do. Yeah. If you have if you have a contract option on Eric Torres, you pick up the contract option on Eric Torres. And then you know what? If he needs to move, he if he wants to go to a different club, then you sell him. You can do that, and that's part of the deal. That's part of having a, 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 the, these options in, in the first place. So they, they, I mean, for me, you know what? They they need to sign him. They need to resign him. Ideally, they keep him in the league. Um, but even if they don't, if they can turn around and sell them, that's that, then they should do that. I mean, they can't, can they realistically let the guy walk, let the kid walk 21 year old guy, uh, 21 year old standout forward. Who's now broken in with the Mexican national team like that. That it's insane. It's crazy talk. So, uh, the, I think the league will resign him, Uh, and then we'll see from there whether or not he actually stays. And Garber also touched on if a few other things. If I was and I break it all down, this will be a three, four hour show. So go read the transcript, watch the video, lots of other things and, and nuggets to take uh, from what Don Garber had had to say. More importantly, Ivis, we've now reached the most prestigious part of the SBI show. The SBI show MLS Awards. How excited are you right now? I'm I, I could not be less excited. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Ivis, let's start off with, with the first award, Referee of the Year, Mark Geiger. What, what are your thoughts on that, man? Dude, he's been taking a lot of heat lately. Okay, first of all, I just want to point out, we we are not having an actual SBI show, Referee of the Year award. We're, we're just pointing <laughs> out we're just pointing out that Mark Geiger won Referee of the Year, and I think it's pretty funny. Um, I know that I know he had a great World Cup, but he you know in MLS play. I just don't think he's been all that good. Uh, I think, obviously, the way these awards go, especially when you have players voting, you have coaches voting, there's a lot of reputation uh, picking at play. And Geiger has been a good referee. You can't argue that. He was an, he had an outstanding World Cup. But the second hat, from, he, you want to talk about World Cup hangovers and how players have had World Cup hangovers? He Geiger's had a World Cup hangover. Geiger has not been that good. Geiger's not been good. Who's been since, worse, his or Michael Bradley's? Uh, I go, I go Geiger, I go Geiger, because you know. But anyway, um, and you, you know, of course, both the Jersey guys, so you're just killing me. But uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I mean, you know what? Like, it is what it is. Referee of the year, uh, he's right. He's gonna officiate the final, uh, and hopefully, you know what? He can end the season, uh, with a strong, 
showing. Well, looking at the the rest of the awards, which are real and are not made up, uh, Rookie of the Year. Obviously, you had a few candidates that are worthy, but I think it's very clear, especially for Rookie of the Year, uh, one guy stood out and should get the award, Ivis, and that player is. Okay, you can pick it. You, oh, you, you, you can. You'll. You want me to go first? I don't want to steal your thunder here, Ivis. Nah, I, it's, I don't even care. It's three thirty in the morning. I don't even care. Oh, my rookie <laughs> of the year, Ivis, is Steve Birnbaum. I, I and I believe that's what you picked as well. Uh, absolutely. Uh, you know what? Actually, it is what I picked, and it, it was very, 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 very close call. Uh, I almost changed my vote at the last minute because uh, I got to tell you, man, Harrison Ship, and it's easy to forget how good he was in the beginning of the year, how good he was in the first half of the season. Uh, he was just, you know what? There was nobody even close to him, and that's what gets forgotten, right? That, you know, uh, while when Steve Birnbaum was still on the bench, when Tesho Akindele was, was kind of not doing much, Harrison Ship was lighting it up. In the first months of the season, mm-hmm. and I think uh, I think it really, unfortunately, I think it cost him that he did his damage in the first half of the season rather than the second half of the season. And I think honestly, I think Ship is you can I think he's more deserving it. And look, Akin Deadly won the league award, and I really think that is a joke. Uh, no offense to Akin Deadly, he's a good, promising young player, but when we're talking about the body of work of the season, I just don't think he comes close to Ship or Burnbaum. Um, but you know, there's so many factors that come into play. Uh, I mean, everything from the conference voting breakdown, because this, let's think about this. Now I'm going to get a little deep, me a little deep on this here. Now, the way, the way it goes, right. With schedule players in the Eastern conference are going to see, uh, you know, players in the West, not, not, not as often, right. Um, they're going to see their Eastern Conference guys more often. So they're going to vote on Eastern Conference rookies probably more often than not because they've seen them more often. Now, in the East, you had Harrison Ship, you had Birnbaum, you had Nick Hagelin, you had Chris Duvall, you had Eric Miller. You had a lot of good rookies in the Eastern Conference. So that's a lot of rookies that are probably going to split votes, especially Birnbaum and Ship. And now let's go to the Western Conference. Who are the good rookies in the Western Conference this year? Not many. Not many at all. Um, So... Tejrangadele was the one really good rookie in the Western Conference, a player that more Western Conference players will have seen more times, and with no other rookies that they will have seen that often, they're gonna you're gonna get more votes for Akindele. So I think I think that worked out. I think the timing of when awards are, are voted on also works worked in his favor, and and I think worked against a guy like Ship. So congratulations to, to Akindele for winning um, the league award. But for me, Steve Birnbaum, when you can start on the uh, on a conference winning team, uh, first place team, and play really well at center back, center people don't, people don't realize how tough a position center back is uh, for a young player. I mean, I just don't think the I, I don't I don't think the average Joe understands or appreciates what that job is and how tough it is. And for him to step into that starting lineup and not miss a, not not miss a beat and really come into his own as a as a as a quality starting center back, I think he deserves more credit. Um, but he's that's he's my pick. Harrison Ship second. You know, I'm, I'm thinking of rookies on the West. I mean, one of the guys that stands out to me is Tommy Thompson, but I don't think he scored any goals this year. I mean, you can almost say second best rookie of the year in the Western Conference. Cyrus was uh, Thomas McNamara. Yeah, he played a I mean, month. It was 
bad. I know, but the West was bad with rookies this year. Huh? But this is what I this is what I'm saying. And yeah. that these are the these are the things that kind of get overlooked a little when people think about voting and how the voting goes. I mean, that's something to think about. It, there's that, and also the fact that I, I'm sure when the ballots came out, when 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 players have voted, when GM when front office people voted, was there probably right around the time that t- Akindele pretty much had a, a, a six week period in the summer where he really lit it up. And that just happened to come right before the voting began. And I think that I think when you think about when you look at it that way, you, you can understand why people were like he's he was fresh on the brain because he was tearing it up at that point. And that's a point of the season when Harrison Ship was actually hitting the wall a bit. But when you look at if you really sit down and objectively look at the seasons these players had, I can't for the life of me forget uh, g- g- how. Anyone could say that Akindele had a better complete 2014 season than Harris's ship. I just think it's crazy. And I, I mentioned ship instead of Burnbaum just because you're talking attacking players, comparable players. Ship was a better player, hands down, a better player from start to finish than Akindele. But for me, I go Burnbaum just because I, I really think he stepped into a tough position on a really good team. And played really, really well. Well, we all know that that the SBI shows awards are, are the most legit thing in the world. I was so. I mean, the other awards are just. I mean, who cares, right? Uh, <laughs> moving on, uh, Defender of the Year. I, I think this is a, a, a consensus agreement between everyone, players, and and media, and everyone else. I mean, Chad Marshall, Seattle Sounders, clearly Defender of the Year. Correct, Ivis? Absolutely, no brainer. Um, uh, he he's the guy. He's the pick. Great season. Really, the glue that kind of held that defense together. That defense, not, it was not that great. I mean, when you, th- if you watch them play this year, uh, I, I mean, Leo Gonzalez was okay. Uh, Zach Scott is he's serviceable, but the guy's always he's just a foul waiting to happen. Uh, I thought I actually thought DeAndre Yedlin, as far as, a, as as far as a full season in MLS itself, I don't think he had a great season. I mean, he obviously had a great World Cup, but. It's easy to forget that before the World Cup, before he left the, the Sounders to play in the World Cup, he was struggling. He was struggling. And even when he came back and finished out the season, he was okay. I mean, he shows flashes, right? There's no doubt he shows flashes. But for my money, uh, you know, he's not even close to being a best 11 option. I know I know some people thought that. I know some people think that. But, uh, but I, I will wholeheartedly uh, uh, disagree on that one. Moving over to goalkeeper of the year. Um, wait, wait. I, I go I'm ahead. Sorry, I got one thing on the defender of the year. Yes. Um, the MLS obviously Marshall won the MLS award. Now the finalists for the award were um, Marshall, Bobby Boswell, and Omar Gonzalez. And I'm sorry, folks, but the Omar Gonzalez uh, pick was an absolute reputation pick. Uh, you can't tell me. That based on the body of work in 2014 in MLS play, he was a he was a best eleven player. Absolutely not. Uh, he wasn't even the best center back. He, I don't think this season. I don't think he even had the best season of a center back. I thought AJ Delagarza was better than him. But for me, the guy who got uh, hosed a bit uh, is Matt Hedges, and that's why you know as much as I'll say I can definitely shouldn't have won Rookie of the Year. You you almost kind of balance it out with the the Hedges best eleven snub. And the Oscar Pereja Coach of the Year finalist snub. So it kind of – it evens out. You know, Dallas got one, and they, they lost out on a couple others. But Matt Hedges, folks, the guy was outstanding for FC Dallas. And when you look – and when you can look at the injuries that they had, FC Dallas had, 
and then the number of different combinations in the back that he had to play with, the number of center back partners that Hedges had to play with. Uh, I mean, the guy, in terms of adversity, he had to deal with as much with more adversity than any any of the other top center backs. But you know what? It's easy to kind of overlook him. But uh, for me, he had an outstanding year. Uh, moving over to SBI MLS Goalkeeper of the Year. I think you have two candidates for this one, Ivis, Bill Hamid and Nick Romando. But I, I got to give a slight edge to Bill Hamid. Who's your pick? Wow, you actually didn't pick Nick Romando. I'm, I'm not going to choose Homer picks. Uh, Take it uh, easy. Uh, 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 yeah, no, Bill Hamid's the pick, and I know folks in, in, in Utah, you know, RSL fans are going to be like, what? Nick Romando, he never gets any love. He's never won goalkeeper. He hasn't won goalkeeper of the year uh, since he's been in uh, at RSL. But I would be the first to point out that uh, on SBI, Nick Romando has been named goalkeeper of the year twice in the last five years. So we've, uh, you know, we've given him, and I personally have given him plenty of love uh, as goalkeeper of the year, but not this year. Bill Hamid this year has been so key to DC's success. He really, he really matured and really blossomed and really rounded out his game as a goalkeeper. And he, he's, uh, he's been absolutely outstanding. And uh, for me, he's, he's an easy pick for goalkeeper of the year. Uh, moving over to the SBI coach of the year. I think you and I are on the same page on this one. Actually, I don't know if you are. I'm going with Oscar Perea for coach of the year. Who's your right. pick? Well, your pick too. He, he is my pick, and uh, I got to say, I'm pretty proud of the uh, of the SBI staff. Uh, who also voted Pereja uh, over Olsen. And I know some people are going to be like, what? That's crazy. How can you not pick Ben Olsen? And look, first thing I'll say, Ben Olsen, great job. Uh, Hats off to him. He did a great job with DC United this year. But I know some people will scratch their heads and say, how do you not pick Coach of the Year for the guy who took a team that only won three games and turned him into the first-place team in the Eastern Conference? And my answer to that will be DC United – Added a completely new team. They added a. They brought in almost a full team of established MLS veterans. They that this is not the same team that they had in 2013. Not even close. Uh, I picked DC to make the playoffs this year. Um, I'm pretty sure anyone who was paying attention to the additions that they made to that roster would have put them in the playoffs this year. So it wasn't as if you're talking about a team. That that had been bad for years. Uh, to only the year, only two years earlier, DC United was was uh, had like the third best record in the league. So there, the talent was there, and they added a boatload of talent. When you think about uh, Fabiana Spindola, Sean Franklin, Davey Arnault, Chris Rolfe, Eddie Johnson, Bobby Boswell, and Bobby Boswell, the the, the start the, the standout defense. They added so, seven new players to their starting eleven. Right. So. Uh, and then obviously Steve Birnbaum, uh, uh, the rookie uh, that they bring in. So you know, that's if you want to have like a, a front office of the year, you know, GM of the year, you, you could argue it was Casper, although they got a few of those on a silver platter. A few of them came came to them in those dispersal and reentry and all those drafts. Um, but this is why uh, Pereja's the pick, because what Pereja did was take a pretty much the same SC Dallas team. That was a mess a year earlier, and he took that same group for the most part and turned them into a playoff team, a very good playoff team. Uh, and and on top of that, he, he overcame a ton of injuries. So for me, you know, transforming a team that had been out of the playoffs for multiple years, overcoming injuries, 
getting the most out of, of young players, uh, helping them find levels they've never been at before, whether it's Fabian Castillo, whether it's Victor Ulloa. Uh, I mean, I, it's just Mar- – Mauro Diaz. Uh, well, he was hurt, but, I mean, he – it's a – uh, Zach Lloyd came into his own. Matt Hedges played, uh, out, had a career year. Um, it all, so, I mean, for me, that's what impresses me about a coach, uh, which is when he takes a team and when he takes players who weren't, you know, weren't as good or who, or, or who haven't been as good and they blossom under him. And I think that's why for me, Asuka Pereja's season was outstanding. Great Burhalter season was outstanding. And, and this is no knock. On on Ben on Ben Olsen Ben Olsen great job but it, you can't just ignore the fact that they were able to add so much veteran talent and this team was not going to be a bad team with all the players that they added. Uh, moving over to newcomer of the year, I think you and I are also on the same page on this one. Uh, Pedro Morales had a wonderful season for the Vancouver Whitecaps, uh, just really great for them, and I think that was your pick as as well, right? Right. I mean, I think it's a pretty easy pick. Um, I would say I thought it was funny that Jermaine Jones made the ballot. Uh, <laughs> or, I mean, look, Jermaine Jones has been outstanding since he's joined New England. No, you can't. No one can dispute that. But the guy has played like 600 minutes. He played like 600 minutes uh, uh, in the regular season. This is a regular season award. He played 600 minutes. Steve Clark was not on the ballot. Steve Clark, outstanding goalkeeper for the Columbus crew. How does he not get on the ballot? Um so it is what it is, man. It's just one of those awards that I just think they really missed the boat on. Mm. Uh, well, look, hopefully Petter Morales wins it. Uh, this brings us to the big one, MVP. I feel like you need a drum roll. MVP for me, Ivis, is Lee Wynn. Who's your MVP? I agree, Lee Wynn. And uh, as I said earlier in the show, I kind of laid it out why. Um, he just va- – for when you want to talk about valuable, he's for me the most valuable player in the league. Uh, in 2014, if you want to go best player, most outstanding player, Robbie Keane, uh, you know, he took his game to a diff, a, a, a really, really, really high level, uh, at various times in the, in the regular season. So in the year, so I, for me, uh, they're both, they're both worthy. Um, I mean, I would argue that, you know, Obafemi Martins, you know, yes, he had a good year for Seattle, but I would argue that I don't think he, I think Bradley Wright Phillips uh, w- was as as deserving, or if not more deserving, than Obafemi Martins to be in the final three. I mean, you could even argue Henri, but yeah, I would I would argue Henri, right? And and the, but the thing is, obviously, you win the Supporter Shield, you want to give you want to give Seattle some love and 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 give uh, Martins credit for that, but. For me, the knock against Martins is the fact that when you really break it down and you look at what he did against teams, against playoff teams, his track record against playoff teams wasn't nearly as impressive as, as a lot of the forwards that were on the list. Uh, and then the last one, best 11. I've, Ivis, do you want to go first with your best 11? Or do you want me to go first and then you're ready to kill me? For uh, uh, we, let, let, let's go. Uh, you can go. For, we'll start with the defen- we'll, – what are we going to do? You know what? Let's do 4-4-2. I know SBI, uh, the SBI one we did three four three, um, but are we, are we, wait, are we doing positions? Or are we just doing straight four defenders, four midfielders, two well, forwards? What do you want? Well, you know, I'd say what. Let's just do straight. Uh, uh, yeah, you know what? Fine. Let's just do three four three. I, I know people are going to go crazy. <laughs> um, I, it, whatever. Like it's just we'll go three four three. Um, I do plan on uh, as I stated today in the best eleven. Uh, post on SBI, I will do a positional best 11 
uh, later this week. And, uh, and, and, and it's always tough, right? It's always tough. Uh, when you get into the positional, uh, uh, because not it's not it's not as if all the teams in the league play the same system. You have teams that play four two three one, four three three, four four two. There's a there's a lot of different uh, systems. Um, so when it comes to trying to shoehorn players in, sometimes it's tough. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, there's so many quality attacking players that you know in the midfield you can understand why maybe uh, people want to vote in attacking players. Who racked up stats as opposed to you know someone like Osvaldo Alonso or Kyle Beckerman? Um, all right, so do you want me to na- name the best eleven first, and, and then you'll follow? All right, we'll agree on goalkeeper Bill Hamid. So yes. we got that. And I, I would like to point out that there were seven uh, when it came to the SBI, uh, the SBI uh, best eleven. There were seven unanimous picks. Um, and I, I and I, I, I like I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that we're probably going to have the same seven. Uh, unanimous picks, and tell me if I'm wrong. I'm going to rattle them off. Chad Marshall, yes. Lamid, yes. Uh, Lee Wynn, yes. Diego Valeri, yes. Uh, Robbie Keane, yes. Oba Femi Martins, yes. Bradley Ray Phillips, yeah. There we go. So that's you got those seven uh, who were unanimous picks, and they are our picks. So now we have to come up with two defenders and. Two midfielders. Well, my other two defenders were um, Bobby Boswell, which I think you also have him too, right? And then I also I have Matt. I, I'm sorry, I have Omar Gonzalez, which I think you have Matt Hedges. Yes, I I, I totally disagree with the Omar Gonzalez pick. Um, unless, of course, you want to count the World Cup games, because which I it wouldn't shock me if some people did. But in terms of Mel, oh, uh, I thought we were we were, we were supposed to count those games. <laughs> no, uh, but yeah, no. I mean, as far as MLS goes, Matt Hedges for me, uh, clear cut pick. And then we had to pick what two midfielders? You need two more midfielders because we have we have Lee Wynn and uh, and Diego Valeri that were unanimous picks. Okay, well, I uh, I mean, for me, I mean, uh, Henri, yes, and then uh, Landon Donovan, right? Uh, uh, th- yeah, th- th- those were the consensus picks, and I know some people will point to the Donovan pick and say. If you really want to get um, specific, yeah. Donovan Donovan really struggled uh, before the whole World Cup camp. And obviously, once he didn't make the World Cup team, he turned it on to another level and was outstanding in the second half of the season. So some people could definitely argue that, hey, he wasn't that great in the beginning of the year. That should cost him. But you know what? We'll put him on. I thought, you know, I think in terms of the body of a whole season, he's deserving. So, so I think we agree on those two, on those two picks. So it looks like... Overall, we agreed on 10 of 11, and the only one we didn't agree on, Omar Gonzalez and Matt Hedges. Yeah, it looks like you copied off me, actually. Nah, that's what, that's what yeah. it looks like. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> don't, don't, don't make me start rattling off some of your other voting, uh, your other votes okay, that you, you cast. In, in my defense, Ivis gave me the list and was like, I need you to fill this out in about 30 seconds. I mean, no, gave, my it was like Lord. 30 seconds, and you kept, and you kept hitting me up every five seconds. seconds. Pretty much, he named like the he he had like the entire RSL team. On, <laughs> that is not true. On, on first, second, on first and second team. On first and second team, I had okay. I had two RSL. <laughs> pl- I had I had two RSL players on the second team. Okay, and then third team, you pray. <laughs> yeah, the third team was then the rest of it was RSL players. <laughs> and with that, Ivis, we have wrapped up today's SBI show. It's not too long, so hopefully no one will complain too much, Ivis. But 
Uh, we still have plenty to talk about, which we'll move to the next show we'll have later this week so we can preview all the games. Ivis, before I let you go, man, anything else we need to touch base on, though? Uh, no, that's it. We'll, we'll be uh, next show we'll have will be on Thursday. I'll be in LA, so I think we'll be on. The, will we be on the same? T- we'll be in the same time zone. No, Las LA in the West Coast is an hour behind Arizona. So I'll actually be. I'll be the earlier one this time. You'll be the one that. You'll be the later one. Oh yes, that, that yeah, that, you're right. Nice. So uh, I think I think we'll be able to get a show in. Uh, I I gotta tell you, man, I need to start adjusting. Uh, adjusting to west coast time man because i gotta say since my trip to london and dublin since i've been back like my, my i actually have, have had kind of a normal sleep routine actually be it's actually almost too much because uh you know late the, la- the last two three weeks I, i've been going to bed at like 9 p.m 10 p.m like at once 10 once you get to 10 o'clock my i can barely stay awake and uh you know, same thing happened again uh, tonight, and I, I had to like take a shower, drink a Red Bull, uh, just to just to kind of try to stay awake. It's crazy, but uh, uh, I'll get ready though, because I, I, I'm sure once I get out to LA, I'll be able to stay up. Oh yeah, I mean, you'll, you'll be there'll be so much to do, man. You can't sleep when you're at the MLS Cup. It's impossible. I know. I learned that with you. Granted, I, I was I was the old person. I went to bed before you on numerous occasions. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. You did. Uh, uh, <laughs> well, I will tell you what. Hopefully, you can. Hopefully, you can come up come up north and uh, come to the MLS draft, which is in Philly this year. Uh, I did find it interesting. Garber Don Garber pointed out that the league's going to have something for Landon Donovan uh, at the draft, so that should make things more interesting there. So I don't know, man. I think you're going to have to make the trip. Why don't you and I just do like a live draft? You know, uh, I'd be Chris Berman. You could be Mel Kiper. We can get someone yeah. else. You know who, who's the other guy? Todd McShay, I think, is the other guy. What, what, right. You know, we could do a live show. I was. I don't know about a lot. <laughs> you you could pull some string. Get it. Get us a booth at the draft. I'm gonna work on that. I'm gonna work on that. <laughs> but first, I need to get some sleep. Yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, me too. It's also good for me. All right, I was, I'm gonna let you go. You have a good week, man. Have a safe flight uh, and all that good stuff. I'll, I'll talk to you later this week. And uh, and yeah, man, plenty, plenty to talk about, man. Get some rest. Thanks, man. And as always, everyone, thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for the reviews on iTunes. And thank you for the comments. That is Ivis Kolarsev. I am Garrett Cleverly. This is the SBI Show.